0: Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, December 13th, 2020, we continue our Christmas series titled, Season of Giving. Today's sermon, Jesus the Gift, will be taught to us by Pastor Jeff Stevens. Enjoy. Uh, uh, just, man, it's just pure gospel, right? And just understanding Christ as our gift. Last week, of course, Pastor Ed uh, spoke to us about uh, God's love, this love that is compelled or compels God to give. Without God's love, he is love, uh, therefore he gives of himself, He talked about it inwardly and outwardly as well as eternally. We are going to look through a very similar lens as we get through this as to how the gospel affects us inwardly and outwardly. And ultimately, eternity is always before us. I was thinking as I went into this message about um, past gifts, things that uh, I've been given in Christmases past. And i was trying to reflect upon what was the most meaningful gift that i've ever been given because sometimes that meaningful gift that's given was something you didn't even know you needed i think for for me probably the most meaningful gift believe it or not is when i was held at gunpoint uh, in 1988 and asked to beg for my life Because this gift at that moment is what made me realize that my double life was not a life seeking after Christ. I thank God for that gift all the time. I also pray that it would never happen again. But a gift nonetheless. I was thinking of a good friend of mine who has gone through one of the most difficult trials that any parent could possibly go through. When his son, Luke, was seven years old, he was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And they were given very little hope. I remember contacting my buddy and asking him, brother, how are you doing? And I got the answer from him that I wasn't expecting. The answer was, in short, I am filled with incredible joy. Because I realize the gift of God in this child, his son Luke, that I can be bitter and angry over time that I'm going to lose or I can rejoice over the time that I have. And I choose the latter. I choose to accept that the God who sent this gift and the God who is also sending this trial, this test, is working all thanks to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Billy had a difficult task before him. I remember as they entered into Los Angeles' Children's Hospital and Luke was going to be taken to the brink of death. The chemo and radiation they were going to give this little seven-year-old boy was that of what they would give to normally a grown man. And they had warned them that he would not be overly responsive just after receiving these treatments but somewhere around the middle of the week as billy would tell me was you know wednesday night or thursday early morning however you want to look at that billy would wake up to find that luke was gone he'd left his bed two in the morning and he's gone inside children's hospital somewhere but only to go out and search for him and find him every single time. He was literally going from room to room and he was laying hands upon other children and saying, may God bless you. May God keep you. He was praying for others who were also suffering from an incredible, horrible sickness. It was in fact about a year later when he was eight. He was eight years old. And he had just finished, uh, on the other side of the country in Boston, he had finished this proton treatment where they shoot a proton into his brain to try and reduce the tumor as much as they possibly can. As he came to the end of his treatment, he asked all the doctors and nurses as they were sending him off, releasing him from being in the hospital, and he said, can we join hands and can we pray? Of course. Of course. But Luke starts his prayer this way. He says, dear God, I want to thank you for giving me the gift of cancer. Without it, I would have never have met all these wonderful people. Oh, to pray like a child. To have such a childlike faith. We are completely and totally dependent upon the person of Jesus Christ. That no matter your circumstances, you consider them pure joy to trust completely, entirely in a holy and a sovereign God. It doesn't sound like a gift. My argument today is that it is, in fact, the gift that everyone needs. But not everybody knows that they need it. Some will say that the gift that God gives us is salvation. And although salvation is an incredible blessing... And it's a wonderful thing to look forward to. Salvation is not the gift. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Salvation is definitely a benefit, but what it says here is that salvation is a result of belief through Him. So the question is is the gift belief? I'm still going to argue and say no. Although necessary, although important, you see, He says in the last part, in verse 18, He says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. In other words, all humanity without exclusion is condemned. But because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. You see, the gift is the name of the only Son of God. The gift is Jesus Christ himself. And somehow this gift results in our belief And this belief results in our salvation. Somehow through him, this works. Somehow salvation is a result of our belief in Jesus. Today's message, of course, is just titled Jesus the Gift. Our goal here today is to understand what this gift is. I'll break it in two overlying positions We'll examine Jesus as the gift, and more importantly, the question to be thinking about as Jesus is the gift is how does this gift work? The gift that caused you to believe in our text today is grace through faith. The second overarching question we have is that gifts are, in fact, given to be used, they're given not to be hidden away. So if I've been given this gift, what am i supposed to do with it i've received gifts in life past that simply go into the closet and then ultimately to goodwill or to someone else but god gives us a gift this gift of grace through faith in fact the word for god's grace is the same word as gift In the Greek, the word is charis. It's a noun. It talks about God's grace or a gift. If we were to put it into verb form, it would be charisamai, which means to give or to give a gift or to forgive. So what exactly is a true gift? We're coming upon the Christmas season, and the question is, is what is a true gift? A true gift is unconditioned. <clears throat> Don't confuse that with unconditional. The gift is unconditioned, meaning there's no condition to it. It's unmerited. I didn't work for it. I didn't earn it. I can't work for it. I can't earn it. And if given this gift, in part, it is unmerited. There's no condition upon it. Contrary to popular belief, there's no lump of coal. For those who are children that disobeyed, there is but God's grace, unmerited, unconditioned. This shouldn't be confused with unconditional. When I say unconditional, I mean non-reciprocal, meaning that there, there is in fact a response to this gift of grace. But this part of the gift is given, un- given in a non-reciprocal, non-conditional way. In other words, the grace and faith is not conditioned or merited. It doesn't necessarily demand a response, but there will in fact be a response. Maybe that response is like it is today when you're given a gift. You simply say thank you. Before we jump into Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, let me pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, Lord, we just come to you and we ask that you would reveal us your truth to understand Jesus as the gift. Help us, Lord, in this process to grow in your grace and to grow in a greater understanding of your Son as the gift. It is in Christ's name we pray, amen. Ephesians 2, 4 through 10 says this. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, as Pastor Ed talked last week, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ by grace. In other words, by gift you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. That word there is poema, it means poem. We are his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That word gift that he uses there, it is the gift of God, it is the Greek word doron, right? It is it means gift or offering. It actually means to sacrifice. What he is saying is, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the sacrifice of God. A broken and a contrite heart, O oh Lord, you will not be displeased. Because the sacrifices of God are his grace and his faith. He comes to us and he says, essentially, that this grace gift is unconditioned and it's unmerited. In one aspect, he's saying that it can't be afforded. In fact, Jesus uses the same words when he refers to the healing of a leper when he talks about that in in Matthew 8, verse 4. It's not on the board, but it says this, and Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, talking to the leper, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded, the gift that Moses commanded for them for proof The gift that Moses gave is in Leviticus 14, 2 through 32. I'll let you read that on your own. But ultimately, what he refers to this gift as, he says, this is the law for him in whom is a case of a leprous disease who cannot afford the offerings for his cleansing. So it has to be a gift because he can't afford it. He has nothing to offer for it. He goes to the priest and he must show him that he receives the gift that is ultimately provided by someone else, by the high priest, to receive his cleansing. It's likened to that of our salvation today. I can't buy this gift. I have nothing to offer. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? I have rabbit ears. I pull my pockets out. I have nothing to give. But this gift is freely given. So what does it mean that salvation is by grace through faith? Salvation by grace through faith is at the heart of the Christian faith. He says to us, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. There's three parts to it, salvation, grace, and faith. They're equally important The three together constitute the basic fundamental truths of Christianity. The word salvation is defined as the act of being delivered or redeemed or being rescued. The Bible tells us that since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, each person is born in a sin inherited from Adam. One of my favorite scientific facts is that those who study our DNA and our genes point to what's called the edemic gene. Every person in this room carries the edemic gene. And the reason why every person in this room carries the edemic gene is because everyone in this room is from Adam. Thus they call it the Adam gene. Most religions throughout history have taught that salvation is achieved by good works. Others teach that the acts of contrition, saying I'm sorry, along with living a moral life, my good outweighs my bad, is how I atone or make right my sin. Sorrow over sin is valuable. It's even necessary. But that alone will not save us from our sin. We may, in fact, repent of our sins. Also valuable, to go the other way. Then not only I'm sorry, but to not repeat it again. It's necessary, it's valuable. But it, too, will not determine your salvation. You see, salvation is not the result of good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good Intentions. But we understand in Romans 5.12 that sin entered the world through one man, through Adam. And death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because how many people sinned? All. Churches have gotten a bad habit of judging people because they simply sinned different than them. But the wages of sin is Death. We could expedite a lot of our coroner's efforts to find out what a person died from. Just stamp it sin. This would be easier and probably not persuade people that you actually died of something else. As a society, we die. The stats are in, one out of every one. And the wages of sin is death. You see, no matter how well-intentioned or good we may be, the fact is that we simply do not have the power or the goodness to overcome our sin nature that has been passed down from Adam. Augustine, in the fourth century, I think, said it best, I cannot not sin if left only to my human fleshly desires to my sinful self i will always choose sin we need something more powerful than our goodness or what little power we may think we have this thing brings in the subject of grace You see, the psalmist David understood this aspect of grace when he was fleeing from his son Absalom in Psalm 3, 7 and 8. He says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That is our point one. That salvation belongs to God. Because Salvation belongs to the Lord. His blessing be on your people. But if this grace is to come in, we must understand what this grace is. Point two is this. Grace and faith are functional. They are functional in our everyday life if you walk away here with anything today walk away knowing and understanding that the thing that makes you walk in faith is not your faith it is the gift of god the grace of god is his of course undeserved favor this unmerited unconditioned gift he gives this to those he's called to salvation Right? And when we read in Ephesians 2, it says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, right? You're not sick. You're not mortally wounded. You're not really, really, really hurt. You're dead. And he made us alive together with Christ by grace, by gift, you have been saved. It is his grace that saves us. In fact, Romans 3, 24 says that we're justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, being justified, being declared not guilty, we're then therefore vindicated and determined to be sinless in the eyes of God. In other words, I didn't make any offer, I didn't do anything I believed because I was given grace through faith and I've been cleansed like the leper who also had nothing to offer. Our sin, in fact, no longer separates us from him and no longer sentences us to eternity in hell. Grace is not earned by any effort on our part. Otherwise, it could not be called grace. I remember in years past, one of my children, I just had had it. I'm sure many of you have had those moments. Students, you've probably had your parents have that moment, right, where you just sit there and you come to this point. And I remember literally yelling at my daughter, how much grace, how much, how much do I have to continue to give you in grace before you will obey? And as it came out of my mouth, I realized it's not grace. You see, because grace is unconditioned, it's unmerited. Whether she obeys or doesn't obey simply defines the gift. Is she earning the gift or am I giving the gift? If our good works earn salvation, then God would simply be obligated to pay us our due. But no one can earn heaven. And God's blessing are not his obligation. They in fact, as Pastor Ed said last week, they flow from his goodness and his love. Not even from our need. But from his goodness and from his love. You see, no matter how diligently we pursue good deeds or works... To earn God's favor, we will in fact always fail. For I cannot not sin. Romans 3.20 says it this way. It says, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. How many people are going to earn their way into the kingdom of heaven? None. It won't be by your deeds. It won't be by your obedience of the law. It'll be by grace through faith. Because the means that God has chosen to bestow upon his people is his grace upon us through faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1. One. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see, salvation is obtained by faith in God's Son. Jesus Christ, in what he has done, specifically his death on the cross and his resurrection. But even faith is not something that we generate on our own. Faith as well as grace is the gift of God. He gives saving faith and saving grace upon us in order to redeem us from sin and to deliver us from the consequences of sin, which is death. So God saves us by grace through faith and he gives us both grace and faith are the gifts of God because salvation belongs to the Lord. By grace we've been We receive the faith, and it is this faith that enables us to believe. It is this gospel power. You see, without the gift of faith, I would never, in fact, believe. Because I don't even know that I'm dead in my trespasses, and that I need a Savior just like the author of a book creates it from scratch, Jesus Christ wrote the story of our redemption from beginning to end. Look at it in Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. He says, for he, Christ, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ." in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. You see, the Lord died for our sins and he rose for our justification. He sacrificed himself to cleanse us of our sin and then he conquered death by rising from the dead. He satisfied the wrath that was due unto you and me. He forgives freely and fully those whom accept his gift of grace in Christ. And that acceptance comes through the secondary portion of his gift faith. Without faith, I won't believe. You know that friend, you know that sister, that sibling, that aunt, that uncle, that parent, who no matter how much you preach the gospel to them, they just don't believe. They do not have the gift of faith. They are dead in their trespasses. We leave ourselves totally dependent upon a holy God and we use the gift of grace and faith and we continue to live grace and faith and we continue to pray and ask for God's mercy to save their soul, to be saved by God from the wrath of God. You see, that's the answer to our first question How does the gift work? God's gift of grace through faith gives me the power to believe. If I don't have that power, I cannot believe. Jesus himself says it in John 6, this way. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. I won't raise myself up, he will raise me up. I can't come unto him unless it is the father who sent. I call that the Mrs. Kirby verse, my fourth grade teacher, because over and over and over again, as I would say, Mrs. Kirby, can I go to the bathroom? And she would say, I don't know, Jeff, can you? (sighs) Whatever. Mrs. Kirby, may I go to the restroom? You may. You see, because can points to ability. No one can, no one has the ability to come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, October 28th, in a devotion, he says it this way. He says, I am not saved by believing. Let me say that again. I am not saved by believing. I simply realize I am saved by believing. And it is not repentance that saves me. Repentance is only the sign that I realize what God has done through Christ Jesus. The danger here is putting the emphasis on the effect instead of on the cause. Is it my obedience, consecration, and dedication that make me right with God? It is never that. I am made right with God because prior to all that experience, prior to all of that, Christ died. When I turn to God by belief, accept what God reveals, the miraculous atonement by the cross of Christ instantly places me into a right relationship with God. And as a result of the supernatural miracle of God's grace, I stand justified, not guilty, not because I am sorry for my sin or because I have repented, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. The Spirit of God brings justification, not guilty, with a shattering, radiant light, and I know that I am saved, even though I don't know how it was accomplished. The salvation that comes from God is not based on human logic, but on the sacrificial death of Jesus. We can be born again solely because of the atonement of our Lord. Sinful men and sinful women can be changed into new creations, not through their repentance or their belief, but through the wonderful work of God in Christ Jesus, which preceded all of our experiences. You see, this covers, tends us into our second goal today. Gifts are given to be used. They're not supposed to be hidden. They're not supposed to be put on a shelf. Contrary to popular belief, they're not to be donated to goodwill. They're for the purposes of you using the gift. So how do I use this gift of grace? This gift of faith? Point three, final point. Jesus is the model of how to use this grace how to use this gift. Jesus is our ultimate model. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ultimate ascension to the right hand of God the Father. We are to model a life of faith a trust and a dependence upon the person of Jesus Christ. No matter the circumstances, I consider it pure joy. I never forget that no matter the circumstances of that trial, it is also a temptation of Satan wanting to lure me off the path of Jesus Christ to not use the gift of grace, to not use the gift of faith. Like Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let me say that a different way. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. For he is the power of God, even unto salvation. Without the gospel, there is no power. Without Jesus Christ, you have nothing. So how does it work? This little chart that I'm putting up on the, on the wall shows you that it works inwardly and outwardly. Inwardly, you see your sin For the first time, by God's grace, you see that you're dead in your trespasses. And by the power of his grace and faith, you repent. You put your trust in him. And you experience the joy. And the joy is that eternity is before you. You have more time in front of you as a Christian than you will ever have behind you. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship. We're his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works. It compels you. It propels you outwardly. He says you should walk in them. Walk in grace. Walk in faith. Because outwardly you begin to see through God's grace every moment as an opportunity to love and minister to people. I must take up my cross daily and deny my desires to pursue theirs. And I can only do this if I step out in faith. If I trust God, not for the outcome. Regardless of the outcome, I can rejoice because if I've done it in faith, then everything that God's doing is his plan. Whether my sister ever becomes saved or not, I put my trust and my hope through the power of God's gift of grace through faith to trust his plan, not mine. Because Matthew 16, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will a person be profited if he gains the whole world but forfeits his life? Or what will a person give in exchange for his life? As I call the band back up and we're going to sing this last song of worship, man, I wish that we could have childlike faith like that eight-year-old Luke who with an inoperable brain tumor would leave his room to deny himself and to pray for others. To accept the gift of grace and faith, to keep a positive attitude and consider it pure joy through the trials. Like him, like his father, to consider it all pure joy. Man, brothers and sisters, use this gift freely. Share this gift freely. Spend and be spent for the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God gifted to you to save the world. You see, this gift that He gave you, you're now the sacrifice. Jesus Christ in you is the sacrifice. And it will compel you to good deeds, to use the gift that it was given grace and faith. Because you and I have nothing to offer in ourselves. It is only the Holy Spirit and the person of Jesus Christ in me that I have anything to give, which is just grace through faith. What a beautiful name our Savior has. He's holy. He's perfect. He's above reproach. I pray that today, if you've never given your life to Christ that you would accept this gift of grace through faith. And as brothers and sisters, I pray that you would burst into growth and grow in this grace and grow in this faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Wow. What a beautiful name our Savior is. The gift of grace, the gift of faith all those people that left during that song luke french is 15 years old and he is cancer free <laughs> because of the power of god what luke knows better than anyone is that jesus christ is the authentic uh, the the founder and the and the perfecter of his faith Luke is in ninth grade and Luke preaches the gospel everywhere he goes because this gift compels him. I pray for each of you that this gift of grace would compel you. If you have never given your life to Christ, would you come talk with me? Would you come let me pray with you that God would reveal his truth and give you the gift of faith, his gift of grace? Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship and adore you. We pray as a body of believers that we would grow in this grace, that we'd grow in a greater understanding of your son. May we minister to one another and advance your kingdom to his glory and his honor. It's in Christ's name we pray. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. God bless.